You're listening to Enclave Community Church. For more information about Enclave, please visit us online at enclavecc.com. The scripture is Isaiah 55. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples, Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the fields shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up myrtle and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be cut off. Father in heaven, thank you for this beautiful day, the warm sunshine. Thank you that we're all gathered here, Father, and we know there are some who aren't here and just be with them. We ask that you would bring them back to us soon. Lord, right now we just ask that you be with Tracy as he delivers the message and just let your words come to him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Elliot. And God add his blessing this morning to the reading of his word. My name is Tracy. Maybe you've seen me here before. Mary and I have been coming here somewhat regularly for a long time. And it's just a real privilege to be here filling in for Andrew again this morning, one that we do not take lightly. So we're just thankful to you and for the congregation and the Lord giving us this opportunity to share from God's word with you what he's laid on our heart. So uh, once again, thank you. And like all of you, we are continuing to pray for Moses and the Decanter family. And we trust that the Lord will provide them rest and peace as they move forward into what the next days and weeks and months ahead have for them. So may God bless them. We just pray they're doing well. 
Well, this morning, we started off on Isaiah 55. We're going to move to Matthew 11 here in a little bit. But do you think that, I mean, I'm just amazed by some of these prophets, particularly Isaiah, that wrote the things he wrote, particularly in chapter 53 and in this chapter. Did he even really know much about what he was actually writing down? You have to wonder because obviously in this one is a classic invitation you know, to come to him, you know, all you, all the, and we'll get to that Matthew scripture later, but what I want to focus on this morning, I think we find in verse 3 of that chapter in Isaiah, where he says, come unto me that your soul might live. I want to talk about the soul a little bit, and how important it is for us to allow that soul to live and to thrive, uh, empowered and enlivened by, and now, blessed by God and his spirit, how important that is for us, that your soul might live. We're interested in that this morning because the soul is a part of us that we really don't see in a way. And in a way, you do see it. The soul is what you meet. When you meet a person for the first time, what you're seeing is their soul, their mind, will, and emotions, what makes them them, what makes you you. Uh, and it's, it's kind of a nebulous thing that we bump into, so to speak, and we notice something about that person, typically. And if you spend time with them, you'll notice it more and more. Particularly if you're married, you'll notice that more and more as you move on. It's good to know uh, before marriage, actually, if you kind of know a little bit of what you're getting in that person as far as what their soul is. Um, we like to say it this way, that God has made us all uniquely. We each have a unique self. And, and it's made up of the parts of the soul. And, and, and contained in the soul, we have the, we have the mind, we have the will, and we have the emotions. And will's a big boss, right? Will makes the decisions. So you, you'll find people who are strong in either one of those three things. Maybe there'll be a blend of them. And so you need to, you know, find out how that person functions, what, how they think. And, and then uh, you can move into your relationship accordingly kind of with a little bit of an idea about, well, they may not take this this way, or they may take it that way. And we like to think of them as there are basically our three. There's the thinker, which would be the mind, for people who are strong in their mind, they're very detail-oriented. If you're going to have surgery, you want a thinker doing your surgery, right? You don't want somebody that's haphazard, that's not going to do it correctly or forget about something or leave something out. So you want to think, or someone who's detail-oriented, keeps lists, makes lists, and tries to follow them. So then the other, the other type is, um, is the, the, the person who have a really strong will. We like to think of them as doers, okay? Now you can think of many people that you would classify as a doer. They know how to get things accomplished, and they're all about that, sometimes to a fault. They'll use people as tools to get their objective done, and when they're done, they cast a tool away and pick up another one. So that's your, that's your doer, and they are. They make wonderful businessmen. They make wonderful leaders in all kinds of organizations. We need them desperately in the church to, to lead and to guide and to direct. And then you have the last one, which would be the emotion, which would be the feeler. And he, you don't want him doing surgery on you because he's liable to, to think, oh, no, you know, you're bleeding. I'm so sorry you're bleeding, but... You know, you want, the, you want the person who is on track with what's going on. And we need all three of those personalities or unique selves, if you will, in the body of Christ. And we see them here. We see them in any gathering of people. So it's so important that we know 
sort of you know, who we're dealing with, particularly in a close relationship, because you'll see those attributes come out as you think about um, those unique selves. And all of that's contained in the soul. Now, the spirit is where God lives with us in our spirit and our body. We all know about our body. It's probably the most one we know most about because we have to deal with it. We've got to feed it, got to take care of it, got to make sure it doesn't get hurt. And if it does, we try to fix it. And so, and we see that part of us actually all the time in others. So the body, soul, and spirit, all contained in the personality, all part of the soul. And how important is that for us to have that soul at peace and rest? So I like that verse there in Isaiah 3, I think it is, the very first part where he says, come unto me that your soul might live. Amen? Very important. Very, very good thing to think about, very good thing to make part of our lives and, and to make sure that we can do all we need to to be sure that's happening. Okay, so that's a little bit about our soul and our uh, unique self, and we can move on. Uh, so Matt, if you want to throw the first slide up, we're going to move to, to Matthew. There we go. Where the scripture says that right there, come unto me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn to me, for I am gentle and lowly in spirit, and you shall find rest for your souls. So that's 28 through 30. And as you read through that, we'll notice that he says rest a couple of times. And before he does that, he talks about one being given and one being found. I don't know if you've thought about that before. But there are, there are two rests in these scriptures. There's one that's a given, and there's one that's found. This, again, is a classic invitation. This is a metaphor of accepting Christ, coming to him, allowing him to be your life and your, your all, your salvation. And when we do that, and you know, Christ is coming off of uh, Matthew. Maybe we should just go back up and read a little bit of Matthew 11 before those verses um, beginning in verse 20, we won't go clear back to that, but in verse 20, he's talking about, he's kind of upbraiding all these communities that have rejected him and his will and way for them. And then when he gets done with that, in verse 25, he says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father... For it so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me and my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and he whom the Lord, the Son, reveals to him. Then is our, there's our verses. Come unto me, all you who are in labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, and you shall find rest for your soul. For I am gentle and lonely of heart, I take my yoke upon you and uh, learn of me. So, the, so this is classic, and it's, uh, what we want to talk about is this, this idea of, of finding rest or, and then um, you know, getting rest as it was just given to us. How important it is to have this soul rest uh, that we're talking about here this morning. So coming to me, all you have now will give you rest. Again, talks to us about just the rest of salvation, the rest of knowing that your sin is forgiven, the rest of knowing that you are going to spend eternity in God with, 
with God in heaven and Jesus and instead of being apart from him in the darkness of eternal damnation in hell. That's a tremendous load off, if you will. Many of you have experienced that. I'm sure a lot of you have. And if you haven't, come join us. There's a tremendous, there's a tremendous uh, peace and rest that comes from having that burden uh, lifted from us. The rest of salvation is what it's picturing for us, the everlasting life of the believer. But then we come into the next verse, and he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So is there a difference? Is there a difference between the rest that's given and the rest that's found? I would like to say that there is. There is a difference. So it, it involves a little bit of um, maybe effort on our part, maybe some, something that we have to sort of get into. Interesting how you find things. You ever notice that? How do you find things? Well, sometimes you actively look for them. You're right, you're, not, you're looking. You're looking for something that you've lost. Uh, you're looking for who knows what, but you're actively looking for that thing. And you, praise the Lord, sometimes you find it, right? There are other times when you sort of stumble upon a, an object or something. And you've, what have you done? You've found it, so to speak. Even though you may not have been specifically looking for it, you've found it. I'm sure most of you are, are like me. You have found some money at some point or another. You know, I was walking with a friend of mine in Tampa years ago in a mall, and we're just walking down the main part of the mall, and I'm looking down, and there's a $20 bill laying right there on the floor in front of everybody, and nobody's scrambling to pick it up. We looked around. Nobody's looking for it, so I think I picked it up and put it in my pocket. I found 20 bucks, pretty good deal, particularly in the early 70s. That's a lot of money, much more than it is today. So there are things that we find and just sort of stumble onto them, and then there are things that we search for, and if we're lucky, we find them. I mean, lucky is probably the wrong word, but if we're fortunate, we'll find that thing we're looking for. So when we come to this kind of a thing where he says, find rest, and I want to focus on the idea of learning this from me, okay? He's telling him to learn from him, from me. He says, and learn from me. How important is it to learn from him? There are a number of people and great Christian teachers and preachers and authors, and we all have those that we, that we appreciate, that we've loved through the years and gained much, much insight from. And we, we're thankful for them. But really, how important is that to take that and set it aside just a little bit and really learn from him? What is he trying to say to me? What is the message from the Lord? Learn from me. And if you'll do that, then we'll, the process of finding rest will come to you. I believe as you uh, grow in him, as you make his word your study, and um, those things will happen. So there is a difference in the rest that's given and the rest that's found, as we talked about a moment ago. It might surprise you to know that I never lose anything. <laughs> you believe that? I hope you don't, because it's not true. But, but what, I, what I tend to do is it really bugs me to lose something. Ask my wife. It just drives me up the wall to lose something. My wallet, my phone, my keys, my pocket knife, a favorite pen, whatever it might be. It just drives me crazy until I find it. Generally, I will find it. It's very seldom that it's completely lost. 
It's temporarily misplaced, okay? <laughs> this is where I like to use. It drives Mary crazy. I haven't lost that thing. I'm just temporarily misplaced that I will find it. And generally I do, but not always. So, you know, again, you know, you think about things you may have lost and then found. We were harvesting grain up on the islands years ago and peat dirt. I don't know if you know what peat dirt is, but it's very soft, black, dirt, nasty. It gets in the air. It's terrible. It itches if it gets on you. We're harvesting corn. I'm running a bank out. And I'm running a half a mile back and forth to the trucks at least and all kind of roads and acres and out in the field. And suddenly I realized I lost my wallet. And here we are out there, you know, I'm 80 miles away from home. Uh, possibility of losing my license, all my cards, what little cash I had, it was not a big deal. But I was more concerned about just the stuff that I have to go through to replace my wallet. So, man, I'm praying... I'm praying like a preacher getting ready for church on Sunday, right? <laughs> I'm just praying, Lord, would you please help me find this wallet? Excuse me. So, um, you know, we're going back and forth, and I spent a lot of time looking for it, you know, probably hours actually through the day. Last run, I was going back into the trucks where the trailers are at, and I thought, I'll give it one more shot. And I drove out there and was looking off on the, sure enough, I found that thing laid open. And I, I just have to go, you know, Somehow the Lord moved it into where I could see it, and there it was. So you've had those experiences where we've found things. And it's our prayer that we will continue to do that as we look into his word and find things that we've learned from him, from me. Not that it's not important to learn from others, because it is. And we, I'm, I'm thankful to all the authors and the people I've had in my life that have led me um, you know, to some growth in Christ. And we're, we're thankful for it. So we, we find these things. Um, and, you know, and it's just it's, it's important to look for them. And like I said, generally, I do find what I've lost, but not always. But I always refer to them as, well, I've just simply misplaced them for a while. I will stumble upon them at some, at some point. And normally I do. So I believe that all of us who have known and loved the Lord for a number of years, uh, we've learned many things from him. Uh, and he gives us his character as we, and, so, and we see him moving into our life. Uh, I believe that he gives us his character as we learn from him, sort of one revelation at a time, if you will. I mean, you know, he knows what you can handle. He knows what you can't handle. And he'll give you those things. I like to see him just kind of dropping them on us as the time is right. Let me give you, for instance, I'm no doubt all of you have been reading a scripture that you've read how many times before, and one day, that thing just leaps off the page at you, and you finally get what he's trying to tell you. You finally see it. Oh, yeah, that's what that passage means. And you begin to connect it over here and over there, and you see the little connections here and there, and what it means to you. And you, you so you build that into your life. And we see him doing that. We've learned many things from him. And I believe he gives us his character as we live in him, one revelation at a time. And we, I've seen him do that with me. I've seen him do it with, through, for, through others. We don't get it all at once because if we did, it would probably blow us away. We could not understand all the fantastic things that God has for us in his plan through his grace, through his shed blood, through the communion of the saints, and all those things that we take so much for granted. We've learned from him. And we're so thankful for all of those things. 
It's just amazing how that works. I don't know how many times, uh, you know, I could give you some examples. Um, let me just give you one to begin with. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 1.30 that says, But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who was made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification. And I had read that verse before, but one day in my pickup at lunch, I was reading that, and I finally realized that, wow, there's no, there's no gap there. There's no leakage there. There's no addition I can make to that. It's all been given to me because of my faith in Christ. Another one is 1 Corinthians 6, 17. It says, those who are joined to the Lord are one spirit with him. What? I mean, I'd always either been taught by default or by design, depending on where I was tending probably, that, that we were dual natured. We had two. There's a, there a, there a battle going in there between the spirits, Right? It's not true. According to 1 Corinthians 6, 17, you're one spirit with him. The battle that we face and have to deal with is between the flesh and the spirit, not the spirit and the spirit. Because there's only one if you're joined to him and you're part of that. So there's these tremendous truths of identification that have made this Christian life work for us. Okay? So there are many more. There's just a couple. And I guess I don't think we can actually ever lose or forget totally those nuggets of revelation that we've received from him. If you had an opportunity to give a testimony today, you could probably share some with us as well. God has showed me this, and I didn't see it before I read it. Now I know, and I'm walking in it. Problem is with me, a lot of times back in those days, I just, I just get on fire. I'd bug my friends to death about some new, something new that I had learned from the Scripture, and this has been there for thousands of years. And I would bug them, oh, man, you got to take out this scripture and show it to them. And, oh, yeah, yeah, Trace, that's nice, you know. And that was fun, actually, back, back then. We still do that occasionally. But I think it's, I think it's kind of hard for us to completely forget uh, those revelations that he's laid upon our hearts. However, I do think it's possible to um, misplace them occasionally for a while. At least in my life, I've noticed that. I will misplace one of these nuggets that I've had from the Lord because something has happened. You know, there's something going on in my life, and for the moment, maybe longer than a moment, I have misplaced that nugget. I haven't, it's not resident with me like it should be. Um, maybe you're not like I am, but maybe you are. Maybe that's happened to you too. For a while, you've misplaced one of these nuggets that Christ has given you through his word, and it happens because of because of the daily crush of events in our life, because of, you know, some dread diagnosis, because of a family member that's passed, uh, whatever it might be, and those, those are trying and difficult times, and we, our mind is so consumed with how difficult that is to deal with, we lose sight of, or we've misplaced for the moment the peace that we can have in our souls because we've learned from him. Uh, right now, we have a, a niece who a, has a terminal cancer diagnosis, and she's a, in her mid-50s. So we're concerned for her and others, and, you know, deaths of others. Mary and I have lost several friends in the last year, and that's just a part of our age. I understand that. You know, we're getting to that point of life where it's not all that unusual to start losing friends. However, it's never, it's never easy. It's always painful, and we always ask the why question, and that's God is not put off by that, by the way. I've often said, if you're mad with God, just tell him. He knows anyway. 
He can deal with that. He's big enough for it, and he'll get you through it. So just the daily crush of events tend us to make us forget the nuggets that we've learned from him, along with just the traffic in our mind, okay? I don't know about you, but, man, there is just stuff whizzing through my mind all the time. Some of it good, some of it not so good. And you have to learn to weed out the good from the bad and ask the Lord to come and be with you. If I'm in my truck, I ask him out loud if nobody's around. If I'm in a public place, I'll say it silently, Lord, you know, get this guy out of here. Satan's bugging me. I know better. And I just have to rebuke him. And like I say, if I'm in my truck, I'll just say it out loud. Get out of here, Jack. You have no claim on my life anymore. I've been to the cross, and I've been to the foot of the cross, and I've learned from Jesus many things that we place in our, in our soul and spirit to uh, lead us and guide us. But every day, we have things to deal with. And I like to refer to that as just baggage, just baggage of this life that we carry with us. And it's, it's difficult sometimes to lay it down, particularly if we're, you know, busy uh, with uh, all that we have to do. If you're a young parent, uh, we know what that's like. We were there. And you, know, you have all kind of things to do for your children that you should do for your children and you are doing for your children. Those are all wonderful things. But all of that traffic in our mind, all the crush of daily events, all the sadness that comes from just being on planet Earth with life and death and taxes and the whole thing, can tend to uh, make us, what was the word? Temporarily misplace, right? Temporarily misplace all the nuggets that we've received from God through Christ, found in him. And if you'll bear with me for a moment, I'm going to give you just a few of those, and then we'll, we'll look at another slide. You can probably put the other. Is there, there's one more. And there's, there should be the last one we'll save for a little bit. There we go. Yeah, just the same thing, but a little different emphasis on the coloring there. The last one's kind of where we'll wrap it up here in a minute. But there's just a few things that I'd like to share with you. No doubt you know them already. But there are just, these are just examples of some of the things that God has given us. Mostly the identity patches of the Bible, which are very important. You need to know who you are in Christ, who Christ is in you. And that he wants to live his life through you. We need to know those things. And just for a simple few of them, uh, in, um, in John chapter 5, I believe it is, around verse 46 or so, he says, um, I've passed from death into life. I shall not come to condemnation. Simple little thing. But it's so important to know that that's true of you. You've passed from death to life. You're now a living soul. You will be forever if your faith in Christ is there. And you will not come into condemnation. Another one is I'm a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17. The old is gone. The new has come. I'm in this new creation. And the enemy and the time and all, all the stuff around us will try to get you not to believe that. Say, oh, no, you're the same old guy you were. Look at all the stuff that you got going on. Well, what we need to do is remind that enemy at that point that we have a new creation. We're not going to be condemned because we have faith in Christ. I'm a new creation. I've passed from, from death to life. We no longer have that fear of not making it, so to speak. Um, here's another one that's really pretty big. 
And it's uh, forgiveness for failure. You realize that you can be forgiven for failure? I know you do, but sometimes we lose sight of that in the daily crush of events and all the traffic of our mind. We'll lose sight of that. There is forgiveness for failure. You can go to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2. And even in 8 and 9 of the first chapter, it's true there too, but we don't want the believer living in 1 John 1, 8 and 9. We'd rather have them over in John 2 too. We've, that's been forgiven. We have, we have an advocate if we fail. We're not condemned. We have an advocate. We just need to get back in touch with him and realize that that's true and keep moving on. You know, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and keep moving. And we all have to do that in this life until he comes and takes us home. Um, here's another one that I like to kind of type out to, to Romans chapter 5, verse 17, which says, We shall reign in life with one Christ Jesus. And that is this I don't have to become who I already am. Okay, you hear that? I don't have to become who I already am. Many Christians today are trying to become who they already are in Christ. They waste a lot of time and effort trying to get what they already have. So for us, it's good, important to realize that, you know, I can reign. The Bible tells me in Romans 7, Romans 5, verse 17, that we are reigning in life with Christ Jesus. Now, you may not feel that every day, but you don't have to feel it. You just have to know it. And when the challenges come, you bring it back up. You call it to mind. Hey, what am I struggling with this for? I'm a child of God. I can reign in life with Christ Jesus, even though I feel like I'm being rained upon a lot of times, right? <laughs> Something's raining on my parade. But really, I'm reigning with Christ. I just need to remember it until I am to bring it to my attention. There is forgiveness for failure. How many people wallow in failure for a long time? and can't get past it or won't get past it, don't have the ability to get past it. If they know the Lord, they do, and it's probably, you know, maybe at some point, our responsibility to point that out to them. So that's a few of them. Maybe another one. I don't have to become who I already am. Um, This, this last one it might hit you a little bit wrong. I hope not. Uh, we can talk about it if you'd like later maybe. But life, I like to say it this way, life in Christ or life with Christ, life in Christ or life with Christ is my present reality, okay? It, it's my present reality. It's not a goal for me someday. I already have it. I might lose sight of it. I might not act like it. I might, you know, not be in touch with it all the time. But, but it's true. If you're in him, he's with you 24-7. He's never going to leave you. Uh, Paul says, for me to live as Christ in Philippians 1.21. And he, he lived that out. He showed that to us. And there's a verse um, that really has spoken to me in the last few years. I'd like to share it with you just for your consideration. Now, I'm not saying that this is the gospel. I mean, it is, it's, in the, it's in Peter. It's the Bible, and, he, and how you want to take it in your soul, leave that between you and God. But I want to share this verse with you. It's in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. And it simply says, For Christ suffered once for the sins, for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Amen? Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Anybody else you know that's true of? Could it be true of you? 
What's it say in Galatians 2.20? We'll see that in the slide here in a moment. I'm crucified with Christ. You know this scripture well. Nevertheless, I live. Right? And the rest of that verse. So, so we're in him. He's in us. And could it be that we could even take that little scripture there in 1 Peter 3 and apply it to ourselves? I've been put to death in the flesh. How? On the cross with Christ. Galatians 2.20. I've made it alive, been made alive by the Spirit. And we see that in all of you and those around us. So it's true. It was true of Christ, and in a very real sense, it's true of us if we recognize our death with Christ upon the cross and his life now within us guaranteed us by the Spirit that we are safe, we're sound, we're in him. Even if for the moment we have temporarily misplaced all of that, it can come back in a hurry. Hallelujah. Amen? Okay, uh, Matt, throw up the last slide for me, please. Tell you a little story about this slide. I learned this slide from a friend of mine. There it is. From Abiding Life Ministries in Colorado. His name was Michael Wells. He's since passed away. But he has given me express permission to use any of his material. Any of it. He said, I have a very close and very tight copyright rule. If you're going to copy it, copy it right. <laughs> so, we're, so we're under that here this morning. So if you look at this little diagram, pretty simple. I'd like for you to notice up at the top, it says conviction of sin. I am a sinner. Matthew 18, 28, rest is given, okay? All of us at some point came to knowledge of Christ. Someone was kind enough to share the gospel with you. Maybe a parent, maybe a preacher, maybe somehow you heard the gospel and you believed it. Praise God. At that point, you were convicted that you were a sinner and that you needed a Savior. And here he is, take him. You know, the, however you did it, you know, recognize him, say the sinner's prayer, whatever it might be. Somehow, Christ came into your life. And then you began the journey to the end of self, okay? Because what many of us will do is when we accept Christ, then we, that's fine. We have that rest of that joy of salvation, and then we'll try to do God's work our way. Classic example of this is Paul. Read Romans 7, beginning about verse 15 and on. He talks about all those things that he wished he could do, but he can't do it. It's like he's, he doesn't have the ability to perform it. Much just like all the rest of us. We all struggle with that. And we struggle with it sometimes for a long time. And, you know, <laughs> now don't, don't hear me badmouth seminars and books, but how many times have people just invested time and money in going to seminar after seminar, reading book after book, taking class after class to become who they already are instead of resting in Christ, instead of allowing him to be all those things in us, we'll try to produce them for him. Just like Paul did in Romans 7. It's a classic example. And he couldn't do it. He said, I find it in my members. Your sin resides and it brings me down. And he could never attain what he was trying to attain for the Lord. Until he gets to the end of the chapter and he says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And he gets it right. It's Jesus Christ, right? And God is waiting for us to say, we used to call them the magic words. I don't know if I like the word magic anymore, but... But, but the, the transformative words that God is waiting for you and us and me to say is, God, I can't. I can't do this. 
And at that point, he says, thank you very much. Now get out of the way and let me take over. And at the bottom of our little thing here, we say, we have down there, I have conviction of self. I'm a selfer. I've been a selfer all this time trying to do God's work my way and, you know, add this and add that and do this and do that. None of it has worked for me. And finally, I would say, God, I can't do this. And he says, thank you very much. And you'll experience Galatians 2.20. It's the bottom of the cross, the bottom of the diagram there. You realize you're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live, yet not you. But Christ lives in you. Amen? And with that knowledge, you can begin to move up on the other side of our little diagram where we start walking in the fullness of Christ, growing in grace, and learning, as he says here in Matthew, from him, from me. Learning from me. Learning from me. Learn from me. And you will do what? You will find rest for your soul. Amen? So it's important for us this morning to learn to do these simple things. You know, don't doubt who you are. Don't be afraid to tell the Lord you can't do it. He's waiting for that. He wants you to get out of the way and allow him to do it, which is painful sometimes because he may not be in a hurry. God's out of time, and we're still stranded in it. I like the words of a song that my friend Michael Card has written. It says, we belong to eternity, but we're stranded in time. We're still here. Our spirit's there with him, but we're still here. We're stranded in time. Our feet are on the ground, and we're weary, are we not, of dealing with sin. So that's who we are. That's what God has done for us. That's what Christ was talking about here when he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me and you will find. So there's a rest that's given, and there's a rest that's found. And sometimes between the two can be a pretty rough path until we finally agree to allow him to be our Savior, our Lord, and our very life. Okay? May God bless you. Thanks for listening. Let me say a short prayer, and then we'll, I think we're doing communion. I'm not sure who's leading it, but I know who isn't. <laughs> okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. We pray that it's been given and received, Father, in the spirit intended, and that you might cause us all to just reflect upon the rest we have in our soul, our mind and will and emotions, Father, which is predominant here with interpersonal relationships. We bump into it. We see it in others. We're just so thankful that can be controlled and is controlled by your spirit. Uh, be with the decanter family, Father. We pray for all of them that these days of rest uh, might bring peace and comfort to them as long as they need, Father. So thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for your son. Thank you for these folks here, Father, who have been so kind to listen. In your name we pray. Amen.